You are listening to the Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Oh, welcome to the program. We were laughing. We had a call last week. Little Zach, eight years of age, called in. Want to talk about the Chargers? Want to know if they were going to be good this year? And I said, "Well, what's your favorite player? Who's your favorite player? Philip Rivers." And I went, "Oh no, I don't think Dad has told little Zach that Philip Rivers plays in Indianapolis." <laughs> what salary cap casualty, Dad? <laughs> Do you think he's a Hall of Famer? Uh, welcome to the program. It's uh, final hour on this Monday. Best and worst of the weekend. What you saw that you liked, you didn't like. Some of the headlines here, uh, NFL issues a statement on Friday, the fallout over the weekend. Some of the star players put a video together that's gotten close to 20 million views. And uh, late last night, the president of the United States tweeted, could it even be, uh, could it be even remotely possible that in Roger Goodell's rather interesting statement of peace and reconciliation, he was intimating that it would uh, now be okay for the players to kneel or not to stand for the national anthem, thereby disrespecting our country and our flag, question mark. So it uh, will continue and it will be a big issue, certainly coming up in September. With this being an election year, this will be uh, an even bigger issue. What does the NFL, what do the players do prior to that? Is there a way to find some kind of happy medium, solid ground, where you can say what you want to say, you can protest, um, and maybe it's not affiliated with the flag or it's during the anthem. But until then, uh, there's just going to be a lot of talk, a lot of speculation for the next three months. And then once those games start, you're already hearing some players saying that they will kneel. And you'll have more players kneeling than we had when Colin Kaepernick brought this to everybody's attention over four years ago. 877-3DP-SHOW, email address dp at danpatrick.com. Baseball continues to be baseball. No progress right now. Uh, The NBA with their plan of attack late July. And the draft is going to be, I believe, in, uh, is it October, McLovin? That the NBA draft, right after the season, is when they're going to hold the draft. Well, the last game is, game seven would be October 12th. And I, yeah, I think it's a week or two after that. All right. Yeah, but baseball, uh, it's at least quiet. And to me, I view that as progress. I don't need to have all this leaked to the media because it feels like the owners and Major League Baseball and the commissioner have leaked a lot of this information here uh, to make the players look bad. It's about money. The question is, are you going to be able to get any movement? Baseball has made a proposal to the players Carl Ravitch has this 75% prorated salary, 76 game season, playoff pool money, no draft pick compensation for signing a player. Season finishes September 27th. Postseason ends at the end of October. Um, according to sources, this equates to roughly $200 million more in player salaries. The 50 game season is not a threat, rather, a negotiated right. Hopefully this spurs further dialogue. If not, we will play a shortened season. Now, this is a Major League Baseball proposal, just a proposal to the players. 
This according to Carl Ravage. Yes, McLum. By the way, the NBA draft, October 15th. Okay. So three days after game seven, if there's one. I was looking at, you know, I'm, there, I don't think there's any great player in this draft, at least marquee name. There might be great players down the road that come out of this draft, but Anthony Edwards, who plays for Georgia, uh, James Wiseman, the seven-footer who played at Memphis for a handful of games. Um, I think LaMelo Ball is going to be a top-five pick. And at that size, as a point guard, and it feels like his offensive game is a, a little further developed than his uh, older brother. His shots a little better. Um, you know, the number of times, I, the first time I saw him was his freshman year in high school. And I thought he has a chance to be the best player in the family. Because he, as a freshman, he was starting and he was playing well. Leangelo was just a guy who got a lot of points. He was a bigger guy and he could post up, but it didn't feel like he could run up and down. And then you had Lonzo, who was really, really good. But uh, Lamelo is going to be an interesting case study. You know that uh, high school and then deciding not to finish high school, and then you go to Australia, and now you're coming back. And I, I, I find him fascinating. I still go back to his dad thinks he knows so much basketball. You'd think he was holding the ladder for James Naismith when he, uh, you know, put up the first uh, peach basket there. Can't teach his. He's got one kid who's a great shooter who can't play in the NBA. Langell is a really good shooter, deep shooter. Lonzo and Lamelo, not good shooters, not good form whatsoever. I always found that interesting. Yeah, McLovin. What about your guy from Dayton, Obi Toppin? He's in the top three or four in a lot of mocks. Yeah, I, it, but let's now this is based off Golden State getting the number one pick because they had the worst record. Who does Golden State, you know, if you take Anthony Edwards, you're taking somebody who's going to back up Clay Thompson. You're going to get a guy who's not even going to start for you. But I don't know who, you know, there's another team that if they had the number one pick may look big. You know, Obi Toppin is, you know, pretty impressive. Uh, and it just feels like he's just starting to emerge as a great player. Because he came out of nowhere because he went to Dayton. Yeah, McLevin. Isn't it wild you could have uh, a guy who played overseas, a Dayton guy, a Georgia guy? Like, where's North Carolina, Duke, Kansas, yeah. Kentucky? Yeah. The kid from Israel? Is it Denny? D-E-N-I? Uh, his last name begins with an A? Yeah, Denny. I can't say it. Denny Avidaja or something? But he, now I just saw his highlights. Whole lot of fun. Whole lot of fun. Yeah, Paul. Uh, which is weirder, the thing we just talked about. If, if I told you two years ago we'd be discussing the Golden State Warriors have the number one pick in the draft <laughs> or the Dayton Flyers have the number one pick in the draft. Or possibly. that LaMelo Ball could be the number one pick right. in the draft. How weird is this? I know. Or the draft in October. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, some phone calls here. TJ in Texas. Hey, TJ, thanks for holding. What do you have for me? Hey, Dan, uh, 63200. Hey, my best and worst. Uh, my best is Virginia Tech finally winning the national championship last night. Uh, my worst is Tennessee and uh, Coach Duggs and Big Cat being exposed um, in front of 100,000 people and Caleb Presley throwing six interceptions. Unbelievable. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you, TJ. A uh, big cat from Barstool playing some college football. Yeah, Paul. He had a rough night last night. He got housed by Va Tech, his uh, volunteers. <laughs> He's going to recover. Uh, Kurt in Oregon. Hey, Kurt, what do you have for me today? Hey, Dan. Um, 
Yeah, the worst autocorrect I did actually, I almost sent, uh, instead of Happy Halloween, I almost sent Happy Holocaust one time. Oh. Um, that was not good. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, well, hey, um, best and worst of the weekend. Um, best was um, watching German, German Bundesliga. I'm a huge soccer fan. And, um, yeah, before the games uh, in soccer, they traditionally um, they will pause for moments of silence. Um, all the players kneeled around the center circle. Um, and I had that idea of, hey, why not separate the, um, you know, the anthem and the flag from the protest? And uh, because if it truly isn't about the flag and the anthem, then – then, then that should not be an issue. Yeah, I don't know. I, but we can't make the rules, though. Thank you, Kurt. The players have to make the rule. The players have to come up with the suggestion here. That's the important part of this. And maybe they find something that can satisfy both sides here. I watched 60 Minutes. They had a special last night, I think around 8 o'clock Eastern. It was on this Italian composer who is going back and finishing symphonies and operas of Holocaust victims. Oh, was it powerful. And John Wertheim, who is a former sports writer, did a great job on how they were writing music in, the, in these concentration camps. And he, he's, he went back and he's talked to descendants of people who died and got this music and he is painstakingly putting together these symphonies uh, pieces of music just it was very 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 powerful he went back to Dachau and you know this is where you if you came in and you could play a musical instrument you could be saved that there were there were men and women who came in if you played a musical instrument you would be part of sort of their house symphony or house band with this and they would allow you to play music. And, uh, you know, some of those people, their, their descendants talk about their parents, or their, their fathers being able to be in the band, uh, an orchestra there, and, uh, and save their lives. Very powerful. Tommy in Kentucky joins us. Hi, Tom. What do you have for me today? Well, i tell you what. I, I don't have a worst. I have two bets. Okay. Uh, number one best. I live in Kentucky, and we finally opened our golf courses up. So... But it's a nice band play. My my second best is over the weekend. I was looking for a new. I was browsing around for a new set of clubs, and I was scrolling through the Facebook Marketplace, and I saw a picture of some clubs which appeared to be Callaway. I contacted the woman and I said, "Can you send me a better picture?" Well, she did, and sure enough, it was a whole set of Callaway irons from two all three wedges, even a. Big Bertha still had uh, three wood. I like it. So, yeah. So I got a complete set of Callaway uh, steelhead clothes for $15. And when I asked her why she was selling them for so cheap, she uh, proceeded uh, to uh, spew out an extreme amount of expletives about her husband. She just wanted them <laughs> gone out of her house. <laughs> hey, Tommy, stay on hold. I'm going to send you... Uh, some some golf balls, okay? Okay, sounds great. I'm I'm gonna so we'll get the information, Marvin. To get your information, I'm gonna send you some golf balls. Uh, good for you, bad for that husband. Probably went. Where's my clubs? I don't know. Ain't seen them. I don't know. Uh, Ted in Tampa. Hey, Ted, what do you have for me today? Yeah. Hey. Good morning, Dan. <laughs> uh, best of the weekend was uh, a good thing for Tom Brady. 
the Bucks down here finally got around to signing uh, Joe Hay from Indianapolis. Uh, six-year journeyman lineman, but he's uh, pretty good. So uh, he should add to that line. <laughs> How do you feel and about then, your line, Ted? I know that you're nervous. How oh, do you... they're terrible. <laughs> they're, they're sixth worst in the league. And the uh, uh, first-round draft pick uh, is really getting annoyed. He was on uh, radio this week, and he said uh, – how, I'm really getting annoyed with the fact that everyone asked me, how would you feel about playing left tackle? Yeah, I know. He wants to be right tackle. It's uh, Tristan Wirfs out of uh, Iowa there. But uh, thank you, Ted. Ted always reminds me that the offensive line is not very good in Tampa. It's not. But they do have some talent there on the offense. Certainly with their weapons. Eric in Florida. Hi, Eric. What do you have for me today? Uh, yes, six foot, 200 pounds. Uh, my best of the weekend is I was able to play golf twice this weekend, despite it being pouring rain here in Florida. Uh, my worst of the weekend is that there's no national media coverage of the Jaguars holding their own protest. They got the teams and the and they got the team and their family together, and they marched down to the the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office headquarters to protest. Chris Connolly, Marone. Uh, and Dave Caldwell all spoke, and there just hasn't been any media coverage of that. I'm pretty sure it's the first um, professional sports organized protest because of this. Yeah, I don't know about that. I know the Broncos did it as well. Uh, John Elway was involved in that. 877-3DP-SHOW, email address dp at danpatrick.com. It was uh, on this day. Paulie, I know you do this day in sports history. Yeah, but, you got it. But I, I was part of this. Well, I covered this. 1986, the Celtics defeated the Rockets on this day to win the title in six games. The Celtics finished the season 82-18 and 18 if you include the playoffs. That winning percentage of 82% is the seventh highest by any team all time and the best in Celtics history. But to be there in Boston in June in that building, you were going into a sauna. It was so, it was always so hot and humid in Boston. But I would go early, usually three hours before the game started. And I had a way of getting in. And I would just listen for the ball bouncing because that meant Bird was out there shooting. Now, I never interrupted him, ever. All I did is sit there and watch him just shooting hoops. And then he would run the upper part of Boston Garden. This is before the game. And Houston had a great team, and I loved Elijah Wan. He was, he's one of my favorite players. Uh, and you had, that Rockets team was really good. And, uh, but that Celtic team was great. You had, you had Bill Walton coming off the bench, sixth man of the year. Send it in, big man. Yes, Paul. You know, one of the great things that NBA TV does the past few years is they show pregame warm-ups, which traditionally is boring. But about three or four years ago, they started showing Steph Curry's pregame warm-up. Yeah. And he has this routine where he takes a series of off-balance, weird shots. He didn't just pull up for 18-footers. Yeah, he and, practices shots that he, he's going to face in the game. Yeah, he does like a fall-away right. And he does four of those until he makes four. And they do it on NBA TV. It's really fascinating to see the coverage. 1985, Larry Bird led the NBA with 82 three-pointers made. That's the most. In uh, 2017, 2018, four different players on the Warriors made more than that. Klay Thompson, 229. Steph, uh, 212. Kevin Durant, 173. 
And uh, Nick Young at 123. Four players. Boy, the game is changed. not even close. No. Game is changed. What would Bird be like today? And what would these players be like back in the 80s? If you weren't shooting threes, what would what kind of player would Steph Curry be? What would Klay Thompson be? Kevin Durant would still be Kevin Durant. That wouldn't change. Because he the mid-range jumper, that was in vogue back then. Yeah, McLovin. I saw that team recently, the Celtics team on a classic. They didn't lift weights, I noticed. Like that was also a slightly different NBA. None of them had any muscle tone. Even Dennis Johnson, who was a two guard. Why do you always do this? Am I denigrating a team? Yes, you always do. It's just, well, right around then Jordan decided to start lifting weights. Like it was, they would have, we argue about this all the time. Would those players have trained differently now? Would they be ripped? Of course, right? Would Larry Bird have looked different? I'm going to assume he would, but I don't know. He might have a better haircut and he might be, I think Larry took the summer off. You know, it used to be baseball players would use spring training to get in shape. You know, they were they took the the winter off and then they got in shape at spring training. Now you come to spring training, you're in shape. You want to get it even better shape. I'm assuming that Larry would probably want to because he was such a competitor to keep up with everybody. But I look at Jordan the way I do Martina Navratilova. They changed their sport. Uh, Tiger changed his sport from from the physicality of it. Because I remember when Martina came out there and she looked different than Tracy Austin or Chris Everett, she was an athlete. And Jordan, look at those, you know, the video of Jordan when he's in North Carolina or just starting with the Bulls. I mean, he is thin. And then look at Tiger. He is thin. And then all of a sudden, that's when you got these guys who look like athletes. All right, we'll take a break. More phone calls coming up. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at show. 19 after the hour. Take a break. We're back after this on the Dan Patrick Show. Take me up on this offer. Discover is saying this is free, even if you're not a customer and you're always checking things, just check your FICO credit scores. Now, those are really important numbers to know. That's the score used by 90% of top lenders, and you can do it for free even if you're not a customer. All right. No hidden agenda here. Checking your score won't hurt your credit, and you can check each month for changes. It's called the Discover Credit Scorecard, free for everyone. Learn more at discover.com slash credit scorecard, and limitations to apply. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern, or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com, or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app, by searching FSR. We got a new poll question, right, McLovin? Yeah, I put this one up uh, off Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor. Quote, unquote, retiring. Which sport is the most reliant on one star? The UFC with Conor McGregor, golf with Tiger Woods, uh, NBA with LeBron James, or women's tennis with Serena Williams? Oh, wow. Mm. I don't know if LeBron goes in there. I just, I kind of, I was thinking more like when Michael Jordan left the NBA, they really struggled. But uh, I don't know if Serena is in there now because I, I just she's, couldn't think of another women's tennis player. <laughs> she's in her yeah. mid thirties now. Yeah. Um, Tiger, I'd still put in there. Yeah. LeBron, I would put in there. Yeah. Yeah, Paul. 
I would say the sport of tennis in America, fan Serena over the past decade, 12, maybe 15 years, she's the number one ranked. Uh, she's the only reason I think a lot of casual sports fans watch tennis in America. There's no one else in the top 15 that's American, basically, usually. Uh, men's, men's, how long has it been since Andy Roddick was relevant? A decade? Can anyone name one top 10 men's ranked tennis player? If no. there is one. I don't know if there is. John Isner, maybe? Yeah. yeah. Uh, that Man, that support has fallen off from American fan interest, not worldwide. Because there was a time when you had, you know, McEnroe and Connors. You had Agassi, you had Pete Sampras. Uh, even Michael Chang, the king of the five setters. It felt like every Michael Chang match went five sets and he lost. Yes, McLovin. What about UFC with Conor McGregor? Would Conor they be McGregor. able to? Would they be able to withstand him really leaving? I don't know because uh, you know he retired over the weekend, and Dana White went on a post-fight rant about fighters don't need to fight if they don't want in in the regular. Like I don't even know what he was trying to say at the time, but he was he was mad about these fighters don't need to fight. Uh, John Jones traded shots with Dana White over money. And demands like you've had like three or four guys over the weekend who were upset with Dana White saying and you know what they're saying is, look, we deserve a bigger piece of the gate here. Dana White's good for fans, not good for marquee uh, fighters here in UFC. But that that was over the weekend. Uh, Ryan in Connecticut joins us. Good morning, Ryan. What's on your mind today? Hey Dan, five, eight, one fifty. Um, so first of all, I just want to thank you for being on the air during these times. Um, I'm a high school senior, and just listening, being able to listen to you every day has just been a pleasure. And um, I just want to thank you for that. But I want to respond to something you said earlier when you told McLovin that you should watch Better Call Saul before Breaking Bad. I would really strongly disagree with that. I mean, I'm watching Better Call Saul now after Breaking Bad, and, and there are just so many references that you're going to miss if you don't see Breaking Bad beforehand. Uh, Thanks, guys. Hey, wait. Uh, Ryan? Yeah. Where are you going to college? Uh, George Washington University. All right. Um, and uh, where'd you go to high school? Uh, Amity High School. Amity High School. Well, we, we all want to say, we want to give you your graduation here on our show. So, uh, Ryan, congratulations and good luck. Uh, C's get degrees. Just remember that, Ryan. <laughs> Thank you very much, Dan. All right. That's Ryan, Connecticut. I'm going to guess if he's going to George Washington, he's probably smart. Yeah, C's won't get you into George Washington. Oh, they won't. Yeah, that's a but good thing. But once school. you get in there, C's get degrees. Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't get into Dayton now. But getting into Dayton, C's get degrees. Yes, Paul. McLovin's always said that once you get to an Ivy League school, you can get a C and get a diploma. Is that factually true? So you're in the same boat as everybody else? The easy part is actually once you're in, the hard part's getting in, right? There's people who say Harvard is a really easy grading school because all it is is set up. Once you get in, it doesn't matter. They, the employers just want to know you can get into Harvard. Yeah, I, I think that's the truth. I would have liked Brown University. No grades? Yeah. No majors? Yeah. Co-ed bathrooms Wait, everywhere? No yeah. grades or is it pass-fail? Pass-fail. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would have done better at Brown. I, when I was applying to schools, I remember it was a big deal. There's they this was they had no co they had no bathrooms. Every bathroom was co-ed in the '90s, and that freaked me out as an incoming freshman. I was like, I don't know if I could do that. Now I think it's more standard. Yeah, but I don't get that. Like, why? Uh, just saving space, I guess. I don't know. It's community living. I don't know. Brown's a Brown's a uh, 
No, there, they, there are other colleges that have yeah. co-ed bathrooms, co-ed floors. I don't know. I don't know. And you're right, Dayton is really hard to get into. I have a friend who's a Dayton grad who brags about it. It's like Georgetown-ish now. Oh, I know. We were kind of sheepish when we would say that we graduated from Dayton. Nowadays, you're like, uh, yeah, graduated from Dayton. You did? Yeah, Paul. Guys like Seat and I are proud to go to schools that are more inclusionary, that let more people <laughs> in, that are about education and including a lots and lots of people mm. who graduate high school. You graduate, you come with us. Southern Illinois, West Virginia. Mm. Jump in. Yeah. We don't try to keep people out. We try to keep people bring together. Well, back then, Dayton <laughs> was letting a lot of people was in. Was it easy? Yeah. Well, I think it was easier, but... You know, now all of a sudden you're like, uh, hey, Dayton, that's a good school. That's tough to get in. I go, really? All right. Uh, let me see. Todd in Iowa. Hey, Todd, how are you? Good, Dan. How are you guys doing today? Great. All right. My best and worst of the weekend. My best was uh, cooking out on my new Traeger grill nice. and washing and hand, and hand waxing my new Mercedes. And the worst of the weekend was my wife telling me to start listening to Howard Stern again because I buy too much stuff you guys advertise. <laughs> uh, Todd, let me talk to your wife. Uh, she just ran away. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, thank you, Todd. That's Todd in Iowa. Buying a Mercedes and buying a Traeger. Sean in Idaho joins us. Good morning, Sean. How are you? Good morning. Thank you for having me on. Five six down seventeen pounds to one eighty two. Um, I want my best is I think I was able to talk my wife into some uh, DP swag because she asked me what I wanted for Father's Day, and I said, "Well, something from the Dan Patrick store." And as soon as she got there to the store, she knew exactly that I wanted the get off my lawn bundle pack. <laughs> so. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, go to danpatrick.com and uh, we have a new t-shirt. It's it's me yelling at you to get off my lawn. It's flying, man. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Sean, uh, I think that you'll be very happy and I'm glad that your wife is going to order that for you. But uh, thank you, Sean. Yeah, we have uh, Father's Day gifts there, danpatrick.com. John in Kentucky joins us. Good morning, John. What do you have for me today? Hey, Dan. Uh, best and worst of the weekend. Best... Um Based on your all's suggestion, I binge watched Outer Banks. And I thought it was, <laughs> thought it was awesome. Uh, worst of the weekend, I think um, horse racing has uh, taken an impact that no one's really thinking about. The Santa Anita Derby, which is usually a huge prep race for the Triple Crown, only had uh, seven horses in a pretty weak field. Uh, just wanted to know your thoughts about that. Uh, I'm not well versed in it, uh, John. You know, I. Once the uh, the triple crown rolls along, then uh, you know I'll take note. But I don't follow it that much. I know that there was a a, a horse Fauci that raced recently, and I think um, it was described as practicing uh, social distancing. It, it it didn't do as well as it. it I, I think on purpose it was practicing uh, social distancing with uh, Doctor Fauci. I don't know if the horse is Fauci or Doctor Fauci. Yes, McLovin. I think the Belmont is in two weeks. The uh, I think they they remember they reversed the order of the Triple Crown and they're starting with the Belmont in late June. I with no fans. Oh, yeah. So they're coming. Horse racing can go on as long as no one's there. So I think they're going to have that. 
I'll, I'll watch it. I mean, I oh, yeah, know. I will. Yeah. Yeah, Paul. What would you say is the acceptable age to take a child to a, a, a racetrack? Ah. I, think, I think my dad took me when I was nine to Southside Chicago. Oh, I think having girls to take them just to see the horses. And, well, but there's other things you see at the racetrack. No, no. See, they can be shady. Well, yeah, but I don't think you're going to be in that area with said shadiness. Well, but all the guys, a lot of smoking, a lot of, I don't know if they let them smoke anymore. I don't know if they let them smoke either. I, I think you'd be all right with just watching horses. Yeah, it seems see. like there's something different about the track. Maybe it is because it's horses and there's like, there's animals there. So it's like, ah, look, come on, let's go watch the animals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think you're all right with so that. So don't take them to the OTB. Uh, no, no, don't take them to OTB. That'd be different. Yeah. There's horses. I mean, they're on the TV. Yeah, but that's, that, that <laughs> no. But going to the track? Yeah, the pageantry, the twin spires. I remember Churchill Downs first time. I was like, whoa. I went up to Saratoga when I was uh, self-quarantined. And I drove. So I was looking at two-hour trips where I could take each day just to do something. And I drove all the way up to Saratoga, went into downtown. and And the racetrack is really close to downtown. Beautiful downtown. I got up there, parked the car, got out took a picture, got in my car, and then drove two hours back. That was it. Drove to Saratoga, beautiful place, and uh, nothing was going on. It's like, all right. So my wife said, what'd you do today? I said, I drove to Saratoga. What'd you do when you got there? I got out, took a picture, and got back in the car and drove back. That was it. Yeah, McLovin. You could not be more right about the OTB. Is there a more... Ooh, that's, that's, you get a little depressed when you walk in there. And they had that little TV. <laughs> oh, that TV was always black and white, but it's off track betting. And I remember taking my father-in-law there and he would just sit in there, smoke heaters, and he would put a couple of dollars watching a horse race at OTB. Yeah, tons. I remember popping in there. I never bet on anything, but not only was it a small black and white TV up in a corner, but it usually was staticky or blurry. It wasn't yeah. even a clear black yeah, and white picture. <laughs> Uh, we'll get some more phone calls coming up. Did you do this day in sports history? I have it when you need it. Yeah. All right. By the way, Ken Riley died. He was uh, Cincinnati Bengal, defensive back. In fact, we had a caller from Cincinnati who called up a week or, so, or two ago and said, what about Ken Riley um, going into the Hall of Fame? He ended up with 65 interceptions which would make him, I think, top five in NFL history. He made the Pro Bowl, or maybe he made All-Pro one time. The last year of his career at age 36, he had eight interceptions. Um, but he passed away, uh, Ken Riley. He's always sort of on the outside of the Hall of Fame, and you know maybe the Veterans Committee will look at this. Uh, Ken Riley played, I think, 15 or 16 years all with the Cincinnati Bengals. You should go in the Hall of Fame for just that. What else do you have, Paul? All right. This day in sports history, 1934, Dan, your Reds. Your Sensei Reds became the first major league team to do this. Who wants a piece of it? Lights. It's not, ooh. It's, all, it's off the field, more off the field. But oh. Nice call. And what year? 1934, the Cincinnati Reds became the first major league team to do this. But it wasn't lights at Crosley Field. Oh. Who wants it? Yeah, I'm in club. Play Pepper. 
No, it was no, off that's the field. <laughs> play. That's off pepper. the field. That's right to the left of the field. It's yeah. on the field. Hey, let's play a little pepper here, a little pepper here. Uh, <laughs> it's outside the ballpark. Sell beer. To use an airplane to travel from one city to another, Ooh. they flew from Cincinnati to Chicago for oh, a game. Oh, all right. All right. In uh, style. 1969, your New York Yankees retired Mickey Mantle's number seven. 1969, it was announced that there would be a single schedule for both the NFL and AFL. That's as they were working on their merger. In 05, Alex Rodriguez became the youngest player to reach 400 career home runs. Wow. He's still trying to buy a baseball team, isn't he? I think. You mean the Mets as a base? Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know if he's... He, maybe he is still trying to buy the Mets, him and uh, J-Lo. Yeah, McLovin. Is there any chance that Fritzy does not put Mickey Mantle 1969 because he's so obsessed with... This Why do we got to do that? Because the scoreboard has been Mickey Mantle or Hank Aaron has been the answer 65% yeah, but you think of the time. Maybe it's John Elway. There's a lot of great sevens. You've been relying on that Mickey Mantle thing too long. I have been riding the Mickey Mantle train. Fritzy's, maybe, maybe we break the streak today. Fritzy's scoreboard challenge, that we'll, we'll reveal that um, during the live look-in. That'll re- be reason enough for you to watch on YouTube. <laughs> wow. What? What a sales job. Yes, Paul. To be fair to Fritzy, if you go to This Day in History websites... It's probably 40% New York Yankees related yeah. certain points of the year. There's a lot of Lakers stuff, but it, it's always Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, Lou Gehrig, DiMaggio, and then other baseball stuff, but they lead the league. Also, you know, NBA champions at this time of the year, too. Just like the, you know, the Celtics there. Yes, McLovin. Yeah, it'd be nice to be watching baseball or NBA finals right now. But. 100 years ago today, a player was thrown out of a game for sleeping. He was in the outfield. Ed Rausch. Whilst standing up? Ed, two Ds. Ed Rausch of the Cincinnati Reds, I believe. He, um, so on this day, 1920, he decided that the game had gone on too long and uh, the Reds were facing the Giants and there was an argument that broke out and Rausch, who was in the outfield, got tired of waiting around for everything to blow over. And he decided to lay down on the outfield grass and take a nap. Been there, brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's called Little League. <laughs> Sleepy Eddie Roush. That's called T-ball. No, you could do that if you're eight. <laughs> I'll the- never forget my dad running out there and the kids laying down. Like, Come on, bud. You got to get up, buddy. We gotta, you can't lay on the ball. Come on, bud. You got to get up. The umpire got upset that uh, he was out there sleeping. And the umpire threw him out. Sleepy Eddie Roush lived to be 95 years old. But he had a teammate named Heine Grow. <laughs> I thought that's a Kardashian. Heine, oh. Heine Grow sprinted out to the outfield to wake him up, but the head umpire had already seen Roush's napping and decided to throw him out of the game. I believe the only baseball player in history to ever be thrown out of a game for napping. <laughs> Wasn't there a player named Nap? Is that? Yeah. Nap LaJoy. Yeah. <laughs> Old timer. <laughs> that's the guy that's supposed to be sleeping on yeah, the job. Yeah, wouldn't you think that that's how he got his name? Oh, he napped. It's probably Napoleon. You're correct. Yeah. But Nap. 
All right, take a break. Last call for phone calls. We'll close up shop, but we learn what's in store tomorrow right after this on the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. Michael Wilbon will join us on loan from Pardon the Interruption and Hall of Fame quarterback Warren Moon on the program as well. I mentioned that Ken Riley, he passed away. Now he came in, he was a quarterback in college at, a, I think, Florida A&M, and uh, they made him a defensive back. He ended up with 65 career interceptions, tied for fifth all-time. Among the all-time top Defensive backs in interceptions. Only two are not in the Hall of Fame. Ken Riley and Charles Woodson. Woodson becomes eligible this coming year. And he'll go into the Hall of Fame. But maybe Ken Riley getting a little bit of notoriety, unfortunately, posthumously. But uh, maybe his family would get the honor of him being in the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame one day. Yeah, Paul. I have one more this day in sports history specifically for you, Dan. Okay. Um 1965 was the MLB draft on this date, 1965 MLB draft. With a 36 pick in the draft, the Cincinnati Reds selected one of the most beloved, if not the most beloved uh, Red of all time. Johnny Bench. Johnny Bench out of Andarco High School in Andarco, Oklahoma. You know, we have this discussion of different cities. It's fair to say Bench is top three all-time beloved Cincinnati athletes, right? Probably, yeah. There's other, sometimes there's better and worse, but beloved, you know, play the whole career there. Yeah. Who's in that conversation Cincinnati-wise? Uh, Oscar Robertson played at the University of Cincinnati and then played for the Cincinnati Royals. Um, Kenny Anderson doesn't get enough credit, but um, he was out of Augustana, a Division three school, and ended up starting for the Bengals and became a borderline Hall of Famer. Uh, Johnny Bench, you know, they, these stories now coming out about a guy corked Pete Rose's bats uh, when he was with the Expos. And, you know, those rumors had been alongside Pete for a long time. Uh, the fact that one of his best friends, Tommy Giosa, was a guy who trafficked steroids was also another part of that with Pete Rose. Nothing ever proven, but these are stories that sort of accompanied Pete Rose with uh, corked bats. Uh, let me see. Bob in Florida joins us. Hi, Bob. Hello, Dan. Hi, Bob. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I have a best and a worst of the week, and I have a fun fact to go with the best of the week. If, if there's enough time to get to it, my best of the week was watching the Wilted 100 documentary that was on ESPN over the weekend. And my worst of the week is the passing of three people that are near and dear to me. One is Johnny Majors. Yeah. Another one is Rache Caldwell. Yep. And the third is the mother of my high school classmate at the age of 96. Right. And the fun fact I have for Dan and the Danettes is that I'm old enough to say that I remember seeing Will play at the Fort Wayne Coliseum, but I don't remember if it was a preseason game in 61 or whether it was a regular season game in 61, 62, because I was only 12 years old at the time. All right. Well, thank you, Bob. Yeah, Rishay Caldwell, former uh, wide receiver. Johnny Majors. Johnny didn't win the Heisman. I think he was runner-up in the Heisman race. Um, Tennessee volunteer. 
I think he was runner-up. Yeah, I saw Wilt play in person one time, and uh, that was you know with the Lakers. I believe seventy-one, seventy-two was when uh, I, I got an opportunity to see him. Mike in California. Hi, Mike. What do you have for me? Dan, that's how are you? Vietnam vet. Proud of it. Uh, got a great best of the weekend was re-watching Twin Peaks. I forgot how incredibly ahead of its time Twin Peaks was. And number two was probably, the, I had to share this with you guys, the probably best trivia question I've ever heard, especially baseball, who was the last switch hitter to win the MVP in the American League? You guys might have heard it. And that was Vita Blue? Yeah, you're all over. Hey, the caveat to that, Dan, was Charlie Finley offered him money to change his name to True. <laughs> Typical Charlie Finley. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that. Thank you, Mike. He had his players growing mustaches. You know, Charlie Finley was quite a character. And I love those Oakland uniforms. Man, those green and gold. They had white shoes. Like, whoa. Because Joe Namath, a few years prior, was wearing white shoes as the quarterback of the Jets. But then you had white shoes, and everybody wanted to have white shoes, and and, uh, you're playing baseball. Not everybody should wear white shoes playing baseball. It feels like you got to be fast to have white shoes. Yeah, Paul. Back in the day, the baseball teams, I think the Reds were there too, and the A's, they wore kind of almost like a vest with a shirt underneath. Like the, oh, the A's had a white vest with trim and then the green arms coming out of it. The Reds had that, and Ted Klazuski didn't wear an undershirt. I think he, uh, Ted Klazuski played for the Reds. And Big Clue, I think he just wore the vest, and he had these <laughs> huge arms. And uh, I just... It was a you know he's a big slugger, but he they would wear just the vest. It was but cut he, off. He didn't play games with the sleeves cut off, did he? Yeah. If you Google Ted Klazuski, this looks like a bit, man. There's a picture of him <laughs> taking his picture for his card, and he's got his sleeves cut off. Like, yeah, uh, it's fantastic. Yeah, big clue they called him. Big clue. Let's go around the room. What we learned, Todd? What did you know? You weren't here for a full show, oh. so you don't get to do it. McLovin. <laughs> Todd Verducci says baseball will have more pitching changes, less is offense. Oh, I know. Boy, that sounds exciting. More pitching changes, less hitting. Seton. Yeah, Verducci got us fired up for baseball, huh? Yeah. Yeah, Paulie. Uh, Ted Klazuski, guns out. <laughs> what we learned brought to you by LegalZoom. No matter what happens, you want to make sure your loved ones are taken care of. That's why LegalZoom has made it easy to set up the right estate plan without leaving your home. Take care of your family today. The right estate plan at LegalZoom.com. We'll do it again tomorrow. Thanks for joining us here on the Dan Patrick Show.